And welcome to the Line Break Podcast. My name is Chris Corlew, and with me as always is my friend and co-host, Bob Sikora. Hello. We're here. How's it going? Uh, well, I don't know. You tell me you got a Super Bowl parade going on in your town. <laughs> I, I can no longer hear drums from my apartment, and I'm, I am not like actively close to where this is happening, but this morning I could hear drums. Uh, things are happening. We're off work because of a Super Bowl parade. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs learning? Um, you got football to celebrate. I gotta say, I've been grading papers with Lord of the Rings on in the background. Um, <laughs> Living the dream. <laughs> that That is kind of the dream. I am, uh, I stopped watching the NFL in 2015. And this year was the first year I was so, I guess last year, but I'm so unplugged from football and plugged into like head down parenting that like I barely know what's going on around me that right. I, I totally forgot the Super Bowl was happening and then didn't even know who won until you were like, you're like hey, I've got a free day on Wednesday. You want to record? Uh, we, we went to a, a, a watch party and yeah, truly the only NFL game that I've actively watched all year. Um, I yeah. probably saw some when I was at home because my dad will just, it does not matter what sporting thing is on. He will put it on TV. Our, our joke was that we were cosplaying as Chiefs fan because there you go. Yeah. You know, we, we got decked out. I, I had a friend lend me a 1995 AFC championship <laughs> t-shirt. <laughs> Very nice. Cause yeah. then, then you, you've got, you, you've also got like some some cred on loan there. Exactly, Chiefs yeah. fans since nineteen ninety five. I do feel like if if there's a if there's any kind of sports championship, but especially a major sports championship happening in your in your town, you should you should participate in the in the uh, the festivities and stuff. It's, I mean, I'm not going to this parade, right? But it's <laughs> it's, it's 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 cool that the that the local sports right. team won the game. No, it's it's yeah, it's fun to watch. I will say we we so we were invited to the Super Bowl party. Um, I know, and I'm at least like friend adjacent with the people who you know um, are hosting it. Um, but we walked in and there was just a row of people in uniforms who I had never seen before. And I was like, oh, this might be more intense than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there was, thankfully, like two different, actually there were three areas. There were some people watching us. There was a lot of places to watch this game. So I was mostly surrounded with people whose level of interest I was comfortable with. Um, but yeah, if if I had... <sighs> Football, I, I'm with you. It's it's a different universe, um, a different. I'm sure it's not that different type of fandom, but it's still just like, oh, I never think about this stuff, and here you are, like freaking out about these guys hitting each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's bizarre, and uh, I know I had somewhere where this train of thought was going. Um, I got yeah. It's a, you know it was exciting to see some people who I'm friends with who you know have been cheering for this team their whole life. That's cool. Yeah, that's it. that's yeah. always fun. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but football's weird. <laughs> football's <laughs> weird. weird. Football is a weird sport, and yeah. it feels weird to root. Where I was going, that's what I was thinking. Is football is very weird. I feel really not great about the physical kind of violence of it. 
Um, a lot of the stuff around football grosses me out, but I'm jealous of the way it is like such an event of like one game. Yeah. We can all be there. We brought a bunch of food, you know, like that is really cool. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a greatness to football in the sense that like, it's something to do with your friends every week. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I actually, I do like the, I, st- I still like the, the game except for mm-hmm. all the violence. Like if they, if they were to go to flag football tomorrow, I would, I would, I'd be all a hundred percent back in as a bears fan. Um, it's just the violence for me. Um, but yeah, like when I gave up football, I, I had like weekly rituals with like a group of friends right. where we'd go to a bar, go to someone's house and it's an excuse to have pizza wings and beer on a Sunday and just <laughs> kick it with your homies for six hours, you know? Um, uh, growing, so football, growing up, in, growing up in LA with zero football teams, uh, I did not have that. <laughs> right, right. And, now and we have LA to teams. this day still has no football teams. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah the speaking of the violence the ringer just had an article like last week about like you know how do we after um who wasn't miami to uh i can't pronounce his last name because i never watched a game where he, that he's played right. um and uh then the uh it was a hamlin um injury or dying on the field uh everyone's like how do we watch football it's like man we read these articles in 2014 2015 and here we are eight years later and you guys are just writing the same stuff like the nfl is inevitable like it's a personal choice at this point whether or not you want to support this you know right Um, (sighs) yeah yeah anyway i made myself sad you want to read some poems (laughs) let's read some poems that might also get us sad, though. <laughs> From time to time, we don't read the most uplifting things on this show. Right. Oh, and speaking of violence, not to spoil your poem, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, I, uh, I was struggling with what to bring. You would think, if as we move to trying to do this once a month, as opposed to any more regularly than that, it would be really easy. I'd be, like, so thrilled of, like, I know the poem. Um <laughs> But uh, between, you know, kind of choosing the day, time passing really quickly, I didn't have something, and I went to the bookshelf, and I was like, oh, here we go. There Let's you go. Do this. Sometimes it's like that. You know what uh, You know what I've done for that is um, force myself to read publicly every Friday on my blog. I'm like, here's what I've been reading, and if I haven't been reading anything, it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was, I was looking back, so... Uh... Uh, for the real heads, you know uh, that I uh, my Instagram, my public Instagram is just like books I'm reading. Oh yeah, um, and I've enjoyed I've been enjoying stuff that I've been reading lately, but I I just haven't had stuff where I'm like, ooh, I want to pull that for the pod lately. You know, it just oh, like, hasn't sure. come up. Um, so anywho, we're going That's a fair. little bit back in time in a number of ways. I'm excited to talk about time. Um, this is called Remembrance by A. Van Jordan. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow string together a necklace of Wednesdays. I go weeks like this, where Friday nights spin into a myth I no longer believe, where the words, getting over, italicize into a mere idea. I wake up some mornings, and my grip feels so weak, I check for stitches at my wrists to see if some young girl's hands are now mine. Some days my rough hands hurt everything I touch. 
Some days I wish I had her hands to make everything I touch smile. But either way, I play it off. I get up, shower, get dressed to report to work, propped at my desk, I speak. People look like they hear a foreign language all my own, a tongue that no one finds exotic, simply strange. And I'm talking about people just talking. I don't even broach the subject of making love. There are no words for this between our languages. Some days I just want you to know I remember as a boy walking home from school, I saw Milton McKnight, a kid we said was a little slow. He was tied to a tree. Three guys for fun were beating him like a pedal on a bass drum, but no music was coming out. I want you to know I remember not Milton's blood, but mine. How I felt my blood coursing through my body. This is how I learned fear. How I had to tell my blood to keep moving. Relax. I did nothing. I didn't want the three boys to see me, seeing them. The kind of fear that keeps me walking away from the scene. Still. Some days I can't even manage a good morning or ask, man, did you see that that game last night? I can't do it. The cliches bang against my teeth. Some days I want to say something to make you say nothing. Just look at me deeply. Or for you to say something to me so true it'll bring me to tears years later. Some days my grip is so weak. Every day is a Wednesday. But I digress. Remember, we were in the middle of not talking about love, about how I open my mouth and inside there's a small town full of people who believe, who actually believe in Friday nights and even Saturday mornings where men speak softly and women walk slowly and their memories hold no threats for today. Man, what a poem. Right? What a poem. (laughs) I feel like a theme that's going to emerge for me this week is um, poets very simply and plainly saying the exact right words in the exact right order. <laughs> um, just like I got that a lot of reading my poet this week. And uh, yeah. yeah, reading this was just like, God, I, I know exact. You have expressed yourself perfectly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Man, this is so good. Um, I, I don't have any smart thoughts yet, but this is really good. Um, let's just let's just get into it. Why this poem? I think my answer for that is going to kind of, I guess, be like my historical relationship to the poem. That sounds much bigger than I wanted it to sound, but, you know, my history with this poem. So when I was finishing up my MFA, um, we had to have three people read our thesis manuscript. And while I was in school, I had three different workshop teachers. One of them retired after my first semester. Um, So the first two readers, it was really obvious it was going to be those first two um, workshop teachers who both are, you know, poets I really admire um, and who were like really great mentors and supported me and still find ways to support me. I love them so much. Shout out to Jill and Lloyd. Um, But my third reader was, is also a poet that I really admire. I just didn't get a chance to know her very well because she came um, during my last year. She was like to replace the retired person. There was like a big year and a half gap. Um, because you did a three-year yeah. program, right? Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, where we, we, in theory, should have had one more poet working there. But alas, alas, it didn't happen. Um, 
And I am not the kind of student who like makes these great friends with all their teachers. A lot of people I knew, they like had someone else they had class with and they had asked that person to be a third reader. And I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to ask the other poet who happens to be here. And I knew it was going to be weird, but it was really weird to like, just like hand my manuscript to someone, have them read it, meet with them. And they don't know me at all. They don't know my work. And she was really critical. I think in a way that was really helpful. Like, I'm glad I got that criticism. I'm glad I had someone read it that like really didn't know what I was trying to do. Sure. Um, And it forced me to wrestle with some questions that almost six years later, we're still dealing with. (laughs) Right. Um, But one of her questions to me that like, I, I feel like I fell flat on my face. I was so embarrassed. She asked me, what is the book that most looks like, the book you want to be writing and i was like wow that's a great question also i do not know (laughs) (laughs) and she you know she was kind about it i i I felt really disappointed in myself that i didn't have like a good answer to that yeah and uh she recommended a few books that she thought fit into it And, and again like especially considering someone who was very critical of my work and i think on a certain level like in one, she kind of talked about how she just has different aesthetic interests than I do, and that's fine. But there was some sure. level she's just like, I don't get what you're going for here, <laughs> which is hard to hear. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to hear, but it's it's good. But for someone who had that perspective, the very first book she said was this one. It's called Quantum Lyrics, Avan Jordan, and this was the poem. It's it's pretty early in the book, page twenty nine. I don't know. It still feels like only five poems before it. Where I was like, oh shit, she really does know what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I, I shout out to Dianelli once again, who loves when we shout her out. I was on her <laughs> podcast, Bread and Poetry, a few weeks ago, talking about uh, this poem by one of those teachers I was talking about, Joyce Pesseroff, the one who retired. And the thing I said about it was like, this is the poem that embodies everything I want to be as a poet. And I feel this is exactly the case here for this poem, Remembrance. He's doing everything I would like to do as a poet, all in this one space. Um, I should probably add that the book itself, again, Quantum Lyrics, it's very cool. Part of the reason that there was this connection between my work um, is he does this writing from research. There are these large chunks that are about Einstein (laughs) Um, and it's written like a movie script. It's really, really cool stuff. Um, And then other parts of it are about the green lantern um, and some science stuff. And so he had this like broader scope, I think than what I was trying to do or slash am trying to do with my book, but it's still, there was this way that he was writing into research and history from this very personal space yeah. that I was just like, that is it. This is exactly what I want to be doing. Um, and I keep coming back to this poem being like, nope, you're not there yet. <laughs> this yeah. is where you gotta be. <laughs> man. Oh man. That, that is, man, that's a great question that I'll have to keep in mind. I, I mm-hmm. definitely, I definitely read books and think I want to do something like this one day. You right. know? I, and I definitely, I bet if I sat down with all my various works in progress and thought about that, I could come up with the book I want it to look like, but I've never sat down and done it in that, with that sort of, that explicitly, I guess. Exactly. Um, Exactly. What a, uh, what a good question. What a good motivation to, um, to keep pushing yourself as you're writing. Right. 
Right. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's great. Um, uh, <laughs> I wa- I'm trying to pull us back into the poem, but now I just want to talk about writing. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely see similarities in where you're because there is there is um, there's a highly personal nature to this poem. There's a um, <laughs> Uh, this is going to sound dismissive. It's not, it's, it's definitely a poem of someone's in their feelings. Your poetry is very in your feelings a lot. Right. Um, yeah. I'm trying to pull us back in the poem, but I think I just need to ask you what the, what the move is. Let's figure out what the move is. That'll what's the, what's the move the that poem. Bob likes about this poem. What's the move that Bob feels like he needs to do that's in this poem. Ooh. Um, I want to talk about time probably for the next question. So I'm going to hold off on that. As I was reading it, though, this morning, and again, just out loud right now, I'm going to have a really hard time putting my finger on this. But there's a way that this poem, I think, really finesses talking about the general and the specific all at once. Part of what I mean by that, um, I was talking to my students about this this week, how I believe there's this like paradox in probably all writing, but I think particular poetry where you can, you can actually make something more generally like understandable and relatable by being really specific with your details. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah, I have noticed um, this uh, reading submissions for Cotton Xenomorph, where right. with like a lot of the the stories that like really kind of uh, we get a lot of good stories. I'm not disparaging any of our submissions; we sure. get really good submitters. But the stories that I find kind of don't excite me as much are when it's like, yeah, I get what you're going for. I know exactly which. I, I of course the next sentence was going to be the next sentence, right? You know, and it's so general. But then when we get some of these stories and you know, we have, it's mostly flash fiction. So we get some of these flash pieces that are just like these like waterfalls of specific details. And I'm like, right. Oh, that gets me really exciting. Cause right. it gets me really excited. Cause like, that's, it's from the specificity. I can, I can draw some generalizations. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's a way of like, if you br- bringing me so close to what you're talking about allows me to understand it and connect to it. Right. Um, you know, yeah. And, and, and so I was, I'm thinking, you know, specifically with younger poets and yeah, similarly, I can think of like submission experiences where I've been reading where, you know, I guess the most basic example is, you know, there's a love poem and it's so much like about love and the feeling of love and it never gives me the details right. for me to like really understand what you think about love, you know? Right. Um, you know, part of that is probably caught up in, um, you know, tropes and cliches, but what I'm seeing here is page one of this poem to me does feel like pretty broad and general. And it, it, it kind of like filters down into this very specific story and then kind of comes back out um, because at least floating around this poem is this interest in mundanity, the days of the week, you get you get the sense of like yeah of him going to the office he doesn't want to talk to anybody yeah um, you know yeah can't bring himself just to say hi can't bring himself to say that game was so good and that to me feels like kind of pretty broad in general again if we just look at the opening yesterday today and tomorrow string together a necklace of Wednesdays I go weeks like this where Friday nights spin into a myth I no longer believe where the words getting over italicize into a mere idea. 
I wake up some mornings and my grip feels so weak. So this whole part to me feels fairly abstract and not, again, not in a negative way, um, but that it could be attached to a whole number of different things. Yeah. From and there, it could just, go anywhere. It goes somewhere specific right after that. Like the, right. I check for stitches on my wrist, see if some old, young girl's hands are now mine. That's like really idiosyncratic and specific, yeah. but then like, but yeah, the, those first, and that's like three stanzas right there. Exactly. Three tercets of right. just kind of, yeah, you could workshop all that out if you, if you, if you were inclined. You know? <laughs> Those workshops. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's something about this movement um, that's, yeah, for me, it just feels like it starts fairly broad and I can't quite get to what he's going for. And I guess maybe also for me, what the move of this poem is, it goes so many places and spirals in so many directions that I still don't necessarily know what he's going for. But zooming into that, moment at the middle of the violence that you kind of alluded to of this story of this, you know, kid from school he knew, seeing that kid get beat up, knowing that he walked away, knowing that he probably should have, or, you know, having this feeling that maybe he should have done something, but he was so scared, he just kept walking. You know, I'm just like stunned by that ability to kind of move from these different ideas. I wish the listeners could see whatever motions I'm making with my hands right now. In some way, this poem to me is moving in spirals. In other ways, it's moving in waves. Yeah, I, th- I, I agree on that. And, and like, yeah, because it gets into that specific story, but then it doesn't end with, mm-hmm. I feel like a younger poet would be like, and that's why I'm scared all the time, or that's what, you know, like, um, but it, it keeps going into, uh, it, it goes from there into, I can't make small talk at the office. Right. Back into the, my grip is so weak thing. And then, on the very last page, but I digress. Remember, we're not in the middle of talking about love and, you know, there's, there's more stuff on there, but it, I feel like this last little bit goes into a whole other thing while you're still being like haunted by the story of the beating. And then like yeah. also sitting with the anxiety of the speaker. Um, right. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot coming at you for sure. Um, and, and really, uh, you know, you took me right to it. That last page is the part that's most marked up in my copy of the book. I, I just felt dead. With But I digress. I remember we were in the middle of not talking about love, about how I opened my mouth and inside there's a small town of people or a small town full of people who believe, who actually believe. Like that just, that messed me up. Yeah. Just because there's, this poem is about memory. I think you really hit on something there with, the way the story and that image and like the, that sort of like haunts you as a reader through the rest of it. And when this poem is really about the way that like memory sticks with us and memory has these effects on us in these different completely, not maybe not completely, but these unrelated, seemingly unrelated environments, seemingly unrelated times, how all of this stuff is having this effect on us. And, and it, you know, that, that final wish here is, memories that hold no threats for today yeah um which i can't even (laughs) (laughs) yeah because there the whole no threats for today is is such a such a great line especially because there's there's such an anxiety in this poem about the just the world existing yeah yeah um the anxiety of like there are kids who will tie you to a tree and beat you up and that isn't that scary the anxiety of like 
there's a little bit of FOMO there on the last page mm-hmm. of like inside yeah. my mouth. There's a whole town of people who believe in Friday and Saturday night or whatever it is. It's just it's this this fear of the world based on memories of what the world can do to you kind of thing. Right. Uh, right. And talk about specific examples that like, you know, like I mentioned with the, the wrists and the hands being replaced by a little girl, what a idiosyncratic specific way to think, what a weird way to think of like, yeah, I opened my mouth as like the gateway to all these people that I'm imagining are having a better time than I am kind of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, you just you you really get hit with the um, oh these are the this is this is the way your anxiety works and like, yeah what, Oof. what a peek into someone into into a thought process you know right right and as you're saying all that I'm thinking maybe even more for me the move is to bring back to talking about this poem sort of spirals is it feels like again, classic us on this podcast, the quote unquote, the aboutness of this poem is really hard to pin down. It's about so many things. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it has these like kind of thematic things that just like keep re-showing up, you know, the, the days of the week is part of it. Um, there's something I think what you're pointing to with like the wrists um, and the replacement of the hand where like physical touch is part of it. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, the part that most excites me when, when we get back to that, uh, these people in my mouth, when I open my mouth, there's these people who actually believe is the way that like language is this other part of it on the, mm-hmm. on the first part. Oh yeah. 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 I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking about that part. Yeah. Right. But the first he's not even about... feel, speaker doesn't even feel like they're speaking the same language as the rest yeah. of the world. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. There's just like so many places we could go. Um, and this poem just like makes me feel tongue tied and unequipped to address <laughs> any of it because there's so much of it that I love. Yeah, I, I it's it's just so cool when a poem can feel like so rich. Um, it felt long-ish to read, but it doesn't feel like a long poem. Yeah, it's four um, pages, but it doesn't read like a four pager. It's, right. It's, it's it's pretty short lines in these tercets, so there's plenty of blank space on the page. It just a, it's a poem where it goes places. Yeah. <laughs> It, it does a lot of the things we love on this show. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Need to start bringing in some poems that do something else, Bob. <laughs> we could go back and uh, what was that episode we did a long time ago where we read dead poets or whatever we did? <laughs> I thought force, about it. Force, force, us, force ourselves to read uh, John Donne or whomever. Um, <laughs> you started talking about uh, uh, memory and stuff as a, as a thing you really get out of this poem. And you wanted to table time for uh, for the uh, beyond the page. So what's, uh, right. what's what's beyond the page? Let's talk about some time. Yeah, um, I did think my first my first gut instinct for what's going on beyond the page was to talk about the not being able to talk to your coworkers moment um, because number one, because you don't care outs- about the Chiefs. No, <laughs> <laughs> you're not actually a 1995 old head Chiefs uh, fan. <laughs> Number one, shout out to Matthew if he does go on to listen to this, this episode. But we're we're doing a faculty reading on campus in the month, and uh, one of my colleagues was showing the like websites and bios of all the students, and he was like, "I didn't know you had a podcast." And, <laughs> so now I might have a coworker listening to podcasts, awesome. which is fine, totally fine. Yeah, um, yeah, we 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 our we, podcast is for anyone who can read out there, any <laughs> anyone who wants to. Um, but I, I I do I've been thinking. I've been at my job for long enough um, where some of my shy tendencies, I, I'm kind of like, oh, what do people think about me? Now? <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm, I'm here, I'm going to be here. 
Um, and I don't want to talk about that. But that was the first <laughs> thing that came to my mind. Um, I was, I, I just, I, I felt this way with probably most jobs I've had, but you know, this one in particular, I'm just like, I feel kind of like a child. And I'm like, please don't recognize that I don't belong. <laughs> please, please do not perceive me. Yes. Yes. Um, but time, 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 time. Um, I rereading this poem again, reminded me, uh, we talked about last time how Charles Simic passed away and Ilya Kaminsky on Twitter posted this quote that got some traction from Simic where he says, the secret ambition of all lyric poetry is to stop time. I think um, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I was trying to, yeah. it's really good. I'm trying to think if I fully agree my, you know, the, the take on the lyric that I most like is that it is impossible to define what it is. Um, <laughs> if you had to set all one sentence though, that, that's, that's a pretty good one. I'd say for sure. Pretty good. Um, but Again, getting into what I love about this poem, what I reach for in my own poetry, and perhaps what is like the great thing that is hanging over why I care about any of this and why I do any of this is, is that I'm I'm so fascinated with memory and time and the flexibility of time and how time affects us. Um, yeah. you know, this is for me such a cool poem where there's a very clear, like, this thing is happening in the past. There's another way where he's talking about kind of the general present. Um, there's just people inside of his mouth that are, who knows, part of time outside of time. Who, who knows? Yeah. Um, and it is. It's just something I think I've always strived for with poems is to how can I break time? <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, yeah, because I, I do, I so often write starting from a place of memory and there's this weird thing that happens where I think when I write a poem, I become more in tune with that memory. Um, I can, you know, conjure some of the feelings yeah. of the memory. You've and mentioned that before, like a way of preserving something. Almost, right. Kinda, yeah, and, like elegizing, preserving. Uh, right. And there's uh, another way where like once I've written a poem, like the memory of writing it becomes just as crystallized, right? And that reading the poem can bring me back to that place and the feeling yeah. of that time, which was trying to recall the feeling of the time. So there's this... Yeah. Man, to me, we, poetry uh, is time travel. Yeah, poetry is time travel. <laughs> we, uh, we, we talked one time, a, a long time ago, about, um, I think you said something about one of your main desires with writing is to, like, that's a place where you know you can kind of perfectly express yourself almost kind mm -hmm, of thing. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I was thinking about that recently. I think like, I don't know, I said something and Mal took it the wrong way and like had to like, you know, like, like, Oh no, I was me. It meant this or whatever, you know? And right. It was like, man, like, you know, the, I, I still can't properly express myself around the person I'm closest to on this planet, you know? Right. Um, right. Uh, often, often I just have trouble expressing myself. And, um, and yeah, like a lot of my writing, I don't like to write um, personal stuff like per, like like I never read my fiction for a key for like who is in my real life or whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I, I do often start from a point of like I want to go back to that situation and look at it again and, right. and write different ways to like ex ex express how I was feeling or what I wanted to say or something like that in a way I couldn't then for whatever reason you know mm. whether whether yeah. 
you know, whether I wasn't a mature enough person to know how I was feeling or, you know, whether I wasn't a, whether I just stumbled over my words, like I'm doing right, right now, you know, that sort of right. thing. And writing can stop that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I hate talking. <laughs> Local <laughs> podcaster hates talking. <laughs> uh, this also gets at I guess I'm in this mode because we're on my fourth week of the semester my fourth week in this poetry unit for my creative writing students and they're a great group they're, they're very That's different awesome. group than, my, than my last semester um they're like much more serious about it. last semester I had folks who I think were just like this will be fun you know let's sure. try something new yeah. this semester I've got folks who are like kind of serious about it nice and They've been pretty game, but I, I do kind of go into it of like, I kind of do have to sell poetry to a lot of these students. I, you know, I sure. assume a lot of them want to write fiction. Yeah. Um, so the class does both. And I don't think they get as jazzed about the idea as I do, but I, I still get really excited whenever I do like stop and think about like the technology of a poem is, you know, putting these words on a page that are instructions for how to read this thing out loud and that like when you read a poem out loud you are reading the same thing as the person who wrote it as someone else who can read it and that there's this like cross time cross geography cross dimensions question mark um <laughs> you know, communion that i think a poem creates that yeah other art forms can do but it's you know it's 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 entirely built on you know the body and the breath yeah. And yeah, yeah. saying this thing out loud. And I just want to, you know, nerd out about that all the time. <laughs> Dude, hell yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's what this poem brings me back to. You know, yeah. Hell maybe yeah. that's the way to say this poem most exists beyond the page for me and that it is a poem that for me is grounding in what I love about poetry and brings me back to that, like, idealized, pure... <laughs> <laughs> you know where where obsession starts yeah um, that, you know when you're in the throes of submitting why does no one like my book why is people talking about poetry on twitter again <laughs> when you're in the midst of all that it, you know you can forget um the essential basic you know incredible nature of the thing the simple true thing that actually sitting down and reading a poem is very fun and good right exactly yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I love it. We man, we went great places. Normally, normally it's 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 uh it's it's me who gets uh, big and big and emotional. You're, you're, <laughs> you 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 did it for us this week. This is awesome. Oh uh, well, there there is still time. <laughs> there's, there's still time. If yeah. we transition right now, we <laughs> might find ourselves going that direction. Very true. Um, yeah, I brought a poem this week. Let's go. Uh, let's do it. I have an excerpt. Um, we both did long stuff this week, um, but I'm I'm just reading one one portion of from Claudia Rankine's uh, Citizen, uh, which man, the passage of time did not realize this came out in 2014. Wow, uh, I like yeah, feel like I heard about it like two years ago, and I'm pretty sure I heard. I don't think I heard about it in 2014, but I. Mm-hmm. Heard about it not too long after it came out. I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll get to that soon." It's her new book, and no, it's not new anymore. It's eight years old now, right. nine years old now. Right. Jesus, yeah. Um, 
But Book Rips, I finished it in like two days. It's very good. Um, very, uh, it's funny, like I was, I was reading, I was about 30 pages in. It starts with just like this barrage of like incidents of racism that she's experienced. Right. And right. Um, Mal like had a good meeting at work or whatever. And she was just like in the kitchen and was like, yeah, you know, well, well, I'm like in a good mood today. I was like, I'm just reading this book and getting mad. <laughs> but like a good kind of mad because it's good writing. I don't know. Right. Um, anyway. Uh, this poem, I send you in the text where, uh, yeah, page 13 of Citizen. These don't have uh, titles, but. Right. Um, a woman you do not know wants to join you for lunch. You are visiting her campus. In the cafe, you both order the Caesar salad. This overlap is not the beginning of anything because she immediately points out that she, her father, her grandfather, and you all attended the same college. She wanted her son to go there as well, but because of affirmative action or minority something, she is not sure what they're calling it these days, and weren't they supposed to get rid of it? Her son wasn't accepted. You are not sure if you are meant to apologize for this failure of your alma mater's, alma mater's legacy program. Instead, you ask where he ended up. The prestigious school, she mentions, doesn't seem to assuage her irritation. This exchange, in effect, ends your lunch. The salads arrive. Ooh. I'm with you right now where I'm like, really? 2014 is when this book came out? That's where the copyright is. It might not be with the came, when it came out. No, you're right. I'm also, I'm literally struggling because as you were reading, I was trying to find my copy and I'm like, where the hell did it go? <laughs> um, this book is, it's, it's remarkable. I'm trying to remember when I last read it because I know I've read it at least twice. Um, and like you know, as you're saying, kind of, I, you said this is towards you know towards the beginning. The opening is this this barrage. Of it's incidents. all like single page prose poems, but it's right. like a big long like twenty page what amounts to a twenty page section, twenty page essay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, in, in genre bending. Yeah. Exactly. In, in classic Claudia Rankin fashion, you know, it's it's. Poem, you know, uh, the title of the book calls it an American lyric, I believe. Um, yeah. You know, so she's, mm-hmm. yeah, interested in putting this in the lyric tradition, um, you know, but it's it's resisting every label we want to put on it. Um, yeah. But she did the same with um, Don't Let Me Be Lonely is also yeah, right. subtitled an American lyric. Yeah. Right. But yeah, this is part of this, this barrage of these incidents of microaggressions or explicit racism yeah. um, that, you know, and all work. interpersonal to her, like not um, like she gets into like tennis and Serena Williams and Arthur Ashe and stuff later. She gets into Trayvon Martin and victims of police violence later and stuff like that. But this first section is all like, yeah, microaggressions. You said uh, microaggression is a great term for it. Um, these like <laughs> little things that end your lunch before the salads arrive, you know? Right. Um, right. But um, I interrupted so you. I'm sorry. Well, I was just gonna say, you know, it's it's I guess contextualizing is what I'm kind of thinking of here is, is how you know like this is this this works so well as a single page. It also it's you know the project is that barrage of them, um, yeah. you know, and all the ways that they are similar and different, you know, just coming at you. Yeah, it has a a remarkable, incredible effect, um, and you know, she's a poet when you're reading her work. Um, 
I think it's there's a, there's a there's a very like on the page level where you're like, damn, this is yeah. really good. And then as you keep going, you're like, oh, she's working on a level so far. Beyond. She's just so smart, is what I'm getting at. I have seen her speak. She's so smart, and you know, like, yeah, because she she's. I think she she's an art critic and a thinker, you know, a scholar, a poet. Like she's just cannot emphasize enough how much in awe over here. Yeah, um, very much. You, usually, when I say someone is a um, is is an intellectual, I'm kind of like disparaging them as out of touch or something like that. She's, she's very right. much an, a a thinker and an intellectual in a yeah in a way that is awe inspiring, like you're alluding to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there a reason you picked it up recently? Um, it's just been on the list or? It's been on the list. Yeah. Um, actually when we were talking about, um, don't let me be lonely a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, I was like, I really need to get around the citizen and, yeah. um, had a payday, went to the bookstore. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> it was there. Um, that's, and, that's uh, totally fair. Yeah. So, and then I was reading, um, I, I just finished Beloved, um, mm. and I'd also, as I was reading Beloved, read uh, Eve Ewing's two books, um, mm. two two books of poetry, and uh, so it was just kind of like, yeah, I want to keep this like blending of lyric essay and poetry because yeah. Eve Ewing does that a lot, and um, and like, you know, getting some 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 history with my with my fictions and stuff like that i was like I, right. reading beloved i was like this is a good time to revisit don't let me be lonely a good time to get oh, up, yeah. pick up citizen it's yeah. just like right kind of i create these little mini syllabuses for myself exactly that's what i was just that's what i was yeah. just thinking i was like oh you got a you got a solid unit right there yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i create like month-long syllabi for myself and right. um um my parents for Christmas got me the book 400 Souls, um, a community history of African America from 1619 uh-huh. to 2019, by, edited by um, uh, Ibram. I've never said Ibram this person's Kendi. name out loud. Ibram Kendi, yeah, and uh, yeah. Keisha, Keisha N. Blaine. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I knew I wanted to get to that pretty soon. Um, I was already reading Beloved and stuff, so yeah, I was just kind of creating mini syllabi for myself. And there's your copy. You found it. Found my copy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ooh, this is great notes came out oh awesome um, but then like this specific one i guess was just kind of like i felt this really worked as a single poem that would give us a lot to talk to a lot of a lot to talk about a lot of the nitty-gritty we can get into and stuff but what do your notes say i'm excited um so this is from the time i saw her speak so like one page is oh it's about an app for whatever this literary festival is yeah, so I guess I saw her in April 27, 2015. Talk about poetry as time capsules. Like a time capsule just fell now out of your talking. book. Right. Um, I mean, my notes are pretty hard to make sense of here. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm really surprised that Lily starts with so- Song of Myself as the first kind of thing noted here. Um, oh, this quote is great, though. Everything is ghosted through with something you can barely notice. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. That fits for both of our poems this week, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that the title of the episode? <laughs> um, 
bring us in, bring us into this individual one. And we we did a lot of contextualizing and a brief period of me being upset that I couldn't find my copy of this book. <laughs> now I've got it and my page is open, so I'm not just looking at a picture of it. Um, why was this the one you chose? I, it just as a as a poetic unit, th- this does so much of the what we talked about loving with poetry, where it, it crams so much into such a small space. Mm-hmm. If 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 there's a if there's a move, it's um, she immediately points out that she, her father, her grandfather, and you all attended the same college. She wanted her son to go there as well, but because of affirmative action or minority something, you know, there's a hyphen or whatever. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, uh, and dash, but um, it's that specifically there because you're at this. You're you're pretty attuned to the fact that the speaker is Claudia Ranking in this mm-hmm. in in this poem, who is a who is a black woman, and the fact that you can just tell, without her describing the person who wants to join her for lunch, <laughs> the legacy admissions. You can tell the racial dynamics at play because of the legacy admission, and then she immediately launches into this like paranoid white people thing of like, well, my, my idiot fucking son couldn't get into the school because of affirmative action, not because he's an idiot, you know? Um, and it, it just plays on, I don't know. I I go nuts for privileged white people, especially university bound privileged white people, not (laughs) getting taken down a peg, you know, being like, you know, brought back to the real world a little bit. Um, Mm. and just the way that so much of this is, there's so much here in this in this paragraph. There's so much sure. in, like, and and there's nothing that the speaker says. There's nothing that, yeah, you know, this this person just reveals everything about themselves in like mm-hmm. one sentence, two sentences, and then it ends with this exchange. In effect, ends your lunch. The salads arrive. Just yeah, god damn it. Like, right. Yeah, I think exactly like you're saying. The there's such an attention to the specific language, the order of the language that brings everything you need to know to the forefront in a way, you know, in that like just right way, you know, there's, I was almost going to say like, it's not too loud, which I guess probably is part of what's happening, you know, here, you know, a microaggression isn't necessarily a really loud thing. Right. Um, But that like, yeah, you can, you can hear all of it, even when it's not. Right. You can, you can, Picture yourself in the room just cringing and then also knowing that this white woman is not cringing, you know? Right, right. Looking back, that first sentence, too, really gets me. A woman you do not know wants to join you for lunch. Um, Like, there's just so much there, right? Yeah. There's there's so much that I was speculating on that forever. Like, like is it another faculty member? Is it, like just a person she ran into? Like, who who is it? Why did they want to join her for lunch, you know? Yep. That that that's it's where it's almost like it's almost like this invasion of space where it's like a woman you don't want to know wants to join you for lunch and then like before the salads arrive reveals so much about themselves and absolutely yeah there's yeah a lot of violations happening in this poem yeah yeah but yeah I think I think if I, I feel like my voice sounds excited and I think what I'm excited about is just how well written this is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like like you said, there's something just right about everything in this poem. Uh, right. Right. Does that lead us to beyond the page? I guess so. It feels kind of quick, but I, I mean, I don't, um, 
that's it. I mean, that's, 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 that's the move. How, look, look how fucking good this poem is. I think it does. It was that just, it just speaks to how, you know, one good, the project of this book is, but yeah, just, it's so effectively done. Um, but yeah, it feels like every page is doing just what it needs to do. Yeah. You know? Um, cause yeah, I, as I'm, as I'm paging through now that I actually have the book in my hands, um, you know, I can just feel out of every single one of these openings is as you, you know, as you said, it's, if there's a similarity, um, and also, yeah, like you could have chosen any of them. They're all just as, yeah. as powerful, um, and hitting right at it. Yeah. And for beyond the page, I mean, I guess I'm trying to do that. I want, I'm, I'm experimenting with lyric essays a little bit. Um, okay. as part of one of the new manuscripts I was telling you about, uh, I kind of want it to be like a blend of lyric essay and poetry and like, and smaller poems. I write a lot of mm. longer poems. The manuscript I just sent you is full of yeah, 10 page poems. I'm trying to write one to two page poems entirely for this manuscript. But then the essay, you know, when I'm, when I'm writing essays, like if you read my, fucking blog or my craft columns or whatever, like uh, I'll get unwieldy and, 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 uh, and, and I, I like, like throwing a lot of words at the page. I like using tone right. and voice. I like making jokes, you know, that sort of thing. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to get like this. I'm, try, I'm trying to get like you, Claudia Rankin, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and just figure out a way to, especially with like, when you're, when you're trying to put together a manuscript that is lyric essay and poetry, I feel like how do you make it look like they belong together kind of thing. Right. You know, I don't right. necessarily want like big, long six page essays next to like a one page poem kind of thing. Mm, and yeah. Um, yeah, just trying to bring some compression and economy of language into my writing and, and say what needs to be said without frill or fluff, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> So the work of the poet, the work of the poet is beyond the page. Oh, the work of the poets. Ugh. This is gosh. You're making me now I'm gonna have to like leave this out and just ruin your grading and Lord of the Rings pretty big pile. (laughs) Um Yeah, no, that's fair. I know for me that you know that particular one, especially I think as a white person, it just it just reminds me so much of uh how I heard um, you know, conceptually. Um affirmative action talked about um, oh yeah growing up in the young, 90s man one like, person yeah, yeah. or um, growing up in the 90s and, early 2000s yeah right and and i know that conversation has like somewhat shifted and also policies and whatnot have shifted but i i feel really gross again just like thinking about the conversations that i heard yeah um, oh yeah you know, there's so much of that life. um there's so much of that uh it's a weird thing to bring up um uh, back when Dave Chappelle didn't suck, <laughs> uh, um, there's a Chappelle show episode where he goes on uh, Donahue and they're talking about um, affirmative action or whatever. And like the anger of those white people in the Don- Donahue audience, like that was like coworkers, people at my church, mm-hmm. teachers, stuff, you know, just in the air around me growing up. And like so much of right. my talk of like, we had Martin Luther King, like slavery ended and, you know, however long ago, like, I feel like now with the rise of 
well, one, uh, really good writers like Claudia Ranking and me viewing and, and, and mm-hmm. all the people at the 1619 project and stuff like there, there's a lot of, um, just writing in, in culture that like shows how much we're not past that. And then there's also a lot of high profile, tra- uh, tra- tragedies and, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, news events that are referenced in this book that, uh, yeah, sort of make, make those conversations feel really silly and antiquated, but it was like the, the, the nineties, early two thousands was very much like, yeah, weren't they supposed to get rid of all that? That's why my son didn't get into college and stuff like that. Right. right. Um, I mean, talk about, time travel too, you know, I think it is really interesting uh, and interesting is not doing nearly enough of, a, of the work I want a word to do right there. It's, it's dark to think about this book almost 10 years later, um, oh, yeah. you know, in, in so many ways that, you know, the conversations have changed um, and how, you know, how also so little has changed. Oh yeah. Um, There's a whole poem in the end back end where she's like, uh, in memoriam for victims of police violence. Right. And I had two emotions reading that poem, which was one was, holy shit, that was that long ago. And also, mm-hmm. oh yeah, this person's not included because that hasn't happened yet. This right. person's not included because that hasn't happened yet. Right. Which was a really gutting feeling. Um, Absolutely. A really, that was a, it was, it was good that I had to go pick up my kid from school. <laughs> like, Yeah. 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 <sighs> Man. Yeah. I, I, I mean, again, I'm grateful that Claudia Rankin falls into this realm of poetry, um, that I think we get access to a, a book like this. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I was just thinking, as uh, you know, as we started talking about her, I, I, I looked up that there, she has had a, her last book came out. Oh, I lost it. It was called Just Us, No Longer an American Lyric, An American Conversation, oh. um, 2020. That's right. And I still haven't had a chance to get to that one. But her first two books, I also haven't read, but I believe they're, they're kind of more traditional look like poetry books. Yeah. Um, you know, and just, you know, again, she's someone who I think is so talented, so smart, you know, that could have had a career path in a completely different direction and, and folks like us might not have had access to this book, you know, if it wasn't under poetry umbrella. Right. Right. For Um, sure. Yeah. And I mean, in general, I think one of my biases is that I think poets are pretty smart people and bring a lot of important (laughs) things to conversations that, you know, maybe you don't get to hear if you weren't paying attention to poetry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking, I I was thinking about that with um, reading the first like 30 pages book where it's all like, it it is all like a record of like uh, interpersonal stuff that's happened to her. Um, something stupid I'd said uh, a couple episodes ago about like uh, a good way to get to know like uh, a a group of people or a time and culture and place and things like that is to read the poets. And it's like, like, I I don't know. Maybe I'm biased about poets, but I do feel like there is, there is stuff that gets recorded in poetry that just wouldn't make it to like, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. your, uh, a, a, a typical, history book or news story or, or right. into the, the cultural mythos of fiction, you know, like in the right. amorphous, like novels and movies and whatever. There's stuff like that, that I guess that's the point of the lyric is to stop time, I guess, you know, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that, that poets are attuned to. So yeah, I don't think right. you're, 
I don't think your your biases of saying yeah poets are smart people is is totally off base. Hopefully not. Yeah. We just hit the hour mark on our recording. We did. So um, it's probably time to pivot to basketball. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, speaking of time capsules, the All-Star break is coming up. Oh. Um, I have been thinking about the All-Star break as a time capsule because it's now attached to a lot of like cool memories of mine uh-huh. because my wife's birthday is around this time. So I'm right. frequently, since I've gotten married, missing all-star stuff, but also having a great time. Like mm. I like to talk about the, uh, the 2016, 2016 dunk contest, the Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon, mm-hmm. uh, battle. The first one I missed completely cause I was on my honeymoon. Um, mm. and, uh, we, we'd done it a little bit after our wedding. And so it would line up with their birthday. Yeah. But I remember exactly where I was for that dunk contest, and it was a very good place. I was watching a classical guitarist in a uh, mm. in the, uh, the the bar of a of a boat where I was drinking for free because it was a cruise um, <laughs> with the love of my wife. It was a very good time. But then I was also like pretty upset that I missed that dunk contest. <laughs> so, Bob, what is a, um, a an, an NBA historical event that you uh, missed in our uh, wish you could wish you could go back and relive for the first oh, time. Oh, one that I missed. I have mixed feelings about whether I would actually want to experience this one, but I was on an airplane for Game 7 of 2010 finals where the Lakers beat the Celtics. Oh, man. Um, and it was a game where... Kobe had a poor game. Yeah, it was 6 of 24, I think. There we go. I don't know why I remember that number, but yeah, I think it was 6 of 24. Um, and, you know, he was going to win finals MVP, like, kind of regardless, just because he was Kobe. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was, from my understanding, it was kind of like an ugly game, which the Celtics should have won because that was, like, their playing style. Yeah. Um, they made excuses uh, both, for it afterwards, like we have because uh, Perk wasn't Kendrick Perkins Perk, wasn't healthy, Perk was and they're like, we never, we've never lost with our full starting five healthy. And it's like, right. come on, guys, you know that's bullshit. But like, <laughs> there was a sense that man, maybe if Kendrick Perkins was healthy, Pau Gasol wouldn't be having as good a game as he's having. It's just so wild to think about. Now, I agree with you though. I think at the time that felt kind of possibly accurate. <laughs> Um, but, but Kendrick yeah, I mean, Perkins, the person, the, the the man who sunk the, uh, well, Sam Presti's the man who sunk the Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook Thunder, but the the man who turned that team into a team who couldn't get out of the second round. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So that like that's just the first one that comes to mind of uh, I you know I never you never want to miss a game seven the finals game seven you never want to miss the finals game seven that's, that's brutal yeah that's tough yeah and I'm trying to remember. You know, it probably was just like a regular end of the semester trip home. Yeah. Um, you know, and just scheduled in advance and didn't think about the finals. Didn't think about schedule. the date. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. How many finals go in game sevens? You know. Right. Know. Right. Yeah. No, and I'm certainly not a hardcore enough fan when I'm like buying a ticket three months in advance to be like, when is the NBA finals gonna be? <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Have you no, scheduled game seven yet? The tentative right. game seven. No, I don't just even think have... they have it that early. But you know, yeah. Right. So. Uh, I missed it. I do want to add here, that, Oh, go ahead. Well, uh, I, I thought you were going to go a different direction with the question of, of just general all-star stuff, um, because I do have an important all-star weekend memory. Oh, yeah, let's hear it. All-star weekend Chicago 2020. Oh. Uh, 
our friend Kevin's cousin Jarrell flew out from Australia for All Star Weekend. He went to all three days. Yeah, and uh, I was not in a good enough. I probably still today also wouldn't spend that much money um, on All Star Weekend. But you know, the one thing I was like, I can join for the Friday night uh, rookie sophomore game. You went to the rookie sophomore game. Um, rookie sophomore game. Yeah. Oh man, we saw I don't Luca, we saw Trey. Uh, Zion even played that too. There was one really good Zion dunk. But uh, what's most remarkable about this is that was like February 26th or something, 2020. So like we were like two weeks out. It's right before the world ended. Yeah. COVID ch- yeah, yeah, exactly. And it really was like the last big thing I did. Yeah, um, I'm trying to remember you know. what I did that weekend because you know my my kid was pretty young back then, so I don't know. I, right. I feel like I saw Jarrell when he was in town. I know I wanted to because Jarrell's a great guy and he lives right. halfway across the world. If he's in town, you got to see him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I for- totally forgot that you went to the rookie sophomore game. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool and, you know, hilarious to. I don't remember how worried or not worried we were about COVID yet. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it just. <laughs> yeah. It was a hilarious night of it was really fun. I, you know, showed up early. Uh, and was like kind of hanging out in the atrium, waiting for Kevin and Jarrell to show up. And Trey Young walks by, and the kids like freak out. Uh, I had a, a view of like Shams doing his like reporting. Before, like that was clear. Um, but uh, it ended, and it was so, it, you know, it was Chicago, February for sure. Yeah, and just yeah. like the bus wasn't running on Western, which was going to take your Ashland, Ashland, which would take me back to where I lived. Uh, you couldn't get a, a Uber or Lyft for the life of you. So no. like, I did this like 35, 40 minute walk home. It was God so damn. Cold. <laughs> and, and, and like, because like that winter, you know, it, it was basically extending the next couple of weeks. Like I, I literally, I don't think I did anything the next couple of weekends. And then I yeah. was like, Oh, really wish I'd gone out one more last <laughs> <laughs> or maybe don't wish, you know, like yeah, right. I right. stayed healthy for quite a long time, but yeah, that's true. You um, did stay healthy. Um, right. As, Man, my uh, my memory of that time, I don't know if it was 1st of February or if it was end of January, but um, Brendan came up and visited. That was mm-hmm. when they were living in uh, Denver, and uh, he was like, yeah, I'm, we're, we're going to move back to Chicago. We're thinking we'll move back in a couple of months. And we were writing for our album. We like laid down some mm-hmm. tracks while he was up and we laid down all the drum tracks and most of my guitar. And then, um, and did it in the same room together. It was like, all right, in five weeks, I'll be back up here. We'll bang out the album. I'll find an apartment in like three or four months. Ash and I'll be up here. It'll be great. And, um, uh, no, we ended up doing the album over Dropbox. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Uh, For the rest of it. Um, yeah. And that they did move back during the pandemic, but I don't don't think we saw them for like, six months or whatever. I'm I don't sure. Know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, <laughs> so much optimism <laughs> around that time. Truly. Oh gosh. Yeah. But I definitely had heard of it and was like, well, you know, it'll probably end up like SARS or swine flu or bird flu or whatever. Any, any of those other ones where it's, you know, it'll, it'll be scary and it'll pass. And no, nope. Nope. <laughs> and then we started podcasting virtually. And then we started podcasting virtually. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Um, for our final couple seconds, and while we're on NBA and basketball talk, yeah. Uh, Post trade deadline, who you got? 
The finals, I still think it's um, the Celtics or the Bucks to lose. Like, it's, okay. it's their championship to lose. Um, mm-hmm. You know, your clips are looking good. Uh, the Suns obviously are going to be awesome. I don't – the Suns have been – were so bad when everyone got hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, when there was a – when CP and uh, Booker and Bridges and Aiton, I think, were all out for a little bit. They were just mm-hmm. – they just yeah. tanked. Like, they went from, like, first in the conference to – ninth or 10th and then they traded all their depth just for KD. Like, I don't know. I, it could definitely work simply because they have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and Chris Paul and DeAndre Aiden. Like Chris Paul and DeAndre Aiden are, are, are fourth options, you know, whoever it is like those two dudes are fourth options. Like that's stacked, but I I don't see it. The nuggets I want to believe in. I really like the nuggets are Frenetti uh, thinks no one likes the nuggets. Eddie, that's not true. Um, I really like the Nuggets. Um, I just want to see it, I guess, before I'm mm-hmm. before I believe in it. Jokic, um, I love Jokic. Uh, I want to see him like really. Uh, what what do the children say now? Get that dog in him, like in a, in a clutch time. So yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking Celtics or Bucks. I think everyone forgets about the Bucks. They just won like 11 straight, um, right. and no one was talking about them. Giannis is still awesome. Uh, yeah. What about you? I probably ultimately agree. Yeah, I think if Middleton ever is back to being close to normal self, the Bucks probably the Bucks did just beat the Celtics last night. Yeah. And, and Holiday you know, had forty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we love we love Drew here. Love Drew um, Holiday. The, the Celtics have quietly been like not great for like a while. Like they had just built such a big advantage early, and they looked so awesome at the beginning of the season. Um, they've been kind of like floating for a little bit, and I think they still be dangerous when the time comes but yeah, they need to they're so deep pick, yeah i yeah they i just i want to see them pick them up a level um and i think actually so jalen's hurt for a little bit he broke his face um, yeah broken face, broken face um man. i think that's one of those things where it's like it could be good for them just to be like oh we actually all have to pick it up because like we're literally missing one of our big pieces right but um i think you're right about Denver and also just I feel like everyone's overlooking them right now. You yeah. know, like it, they they're, they're pretty freaking good. And they're I, really I good. am I am a known Denver hater. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if it, it really does feel like this this could be their year, yeah. Um, all of which is say really the 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 thing behind my question was just like also known Durant hater. I'm just really excited to see him on the side. I, that just seems so fun to me. I'm mad. We didn't get it for the full season. Kind of, you know, like yeah, we could have just done this trade over the summer and it would be very nice to cheer for Kevin Durant again. Cause I, I hate the Nets so much. Oh my God. Well, and, and the incredible flip, I watched that first game that, uh, Bridges and Cam Johnson were playing for the Nets, and I was like, "Wow, they're suddenly the most likable team in the league." Now they have no no stars. You know the way they were back when Sen Spencer did when he was on the team before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it's so funny as someone who is not very good at. Well, I'm also not a good three point shooter, but uh, for the, the the Suns just become this mid range jumper, jumper club of, of they are, CB3, yeah. Booker and KD just. Little mid range jumpers, just just from the from the from the nail, little, little jumpers. Um, I um, I cannot wait for Dallas to get to lose in the first round, embarrassingly. Um, <laughs> fuck the Dallas Mavericks. Fuck Kyrie Irving. Fuck Mark Cuban. 
Um, I don't think I like anybody on the team, to be honest. I actually am kind of bored by Luca sometimes. That's my secret hot take. Oh, Luca! No, Luca's officially been boring for a while now. Yeah, um, it's he's he's a better version of what Harden is doing. Yeah, Jason Kidd's a drunk driving wife beater. Like fuck the Dallas Mavericks. I hate them so much. I hope Kevin doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, Coming in <laughs> hot at the end. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Suns will be the Suns will be fun. I'm excited about the Suns. I'm excited to cheer for KD again. Um, Suns will be fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll say Denver Bucks in the finals. That's I mean, it's the most yeah. <laughs> Milikos take, but quotidian. But yeah, it's yeah. probably gonna be Denver yeah. Bucks. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that works. Hey, uh, your your man, uh, your man, Eric Gordon came back to the Clippers. Eric Gordon is back. You were a big Eric fan 12 years ago. Uh, what was that? I loved that. The, 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 I mean, obviously I love the CP3 era clips, but right before that where we had Eric Bledsoe, Eric Gordon, yeah. Blake Griffin, whatever DeAndre Jordan was doing behind Chris Kamen. DeAndre Jordan also just like the funniest player. <laughs> like what a weird oh, yeah. career arc. He was awesome. Uh, I was he's, so he's excited. so funny and so exciting. Yeah. I was so excited for Al Farouk Amino, even though we really just should have drafted Paul George. Um, Man. <laughs> I loved that team. I forgot you could have Paul George instead of Al Farouk Amino. That team would have won a championship. Baron Davis was there too. Baron Davis was around. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. All righty. All right. We, did, we, we, we talked about basketball this week. We talked about basketball. We had a huge podcast. My loner laptop is about to die. It has 60 minutes remaining. So I should plug it in. Yeah. Which show, what other rings movie are you on? Two, top, two Towers. Nice. Awesome. We'll go watch Helms Deep. Um, our music is uh, done by Brendan Johnson. Our artist is A.M. Strickland. And uh, we'll be back next month. <laughs>